0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the sixth chapter. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you. woe to you when all speak well of you for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets but i say to you that listen love your enemies do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you pray for those who abuse you if anyone strikes you on the cheek offer the other also and from anyone who takes away your coat do not withhold even your shirt give to everyone who begs from you And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I spent Wednesday afternoon reading the obituaries of people I didn't know. It was... A gorgeous autumn afternoon, before that awful cold rain that we've had these last few days, and I sat on our back porch. It was in the mid-70s, and the leaves were blowing in the field behind our house. A very fat, orange stray cat crawled through the fence line brush and sat on our wood pile. I'm pretty sure it was glaring at me. But then again, you know my opinion about cats, so I hissed at it and kept reading. It's a strange thing to intentionally set aside a Sunday in the liturgical year, specifically to remember the dead. This is an odd thing to do, but that's exactly what we're doing today on this All Saints Day. We recall our beloved friends and relatives who have died this past year. I have also lost loved ones this past year, and like you, I also have my own list of dear ones long since dead who will live forever in my memory. So, Wednesday, I started scrolling through the names of people in the United States who have died in the last 12 months as a result of gun violence. Names led to obituaries. Obituaries contain photos of the now deceased with their children or their friends or their sports teams holding fish, freshly caught, footballs recently spiked, babies newly born. As I read, I thought of those families, still caught in a spiral of grief, while time marches on for the rest of us. I was particularly struck by the obituaries of Leon Trayvon, Jose Casaburias, and Isaiah McCullough, three teenage boys the same age as my own sons, all of whom were shot and killed in Chicago this past year. I knew none of them. Yet their pictures were hauntingly familiar with their curious eyes, lanky bodies, and awkward teenage smiles. I then dove deeper. I learned that over 40,000 people die by guns every year in our country. I learned there was a 33% increase of gun-related deaths from 2011 to 2020. I learned that gun-related homicides increased 70% from 2011 to 2020. As I scrolled through the names and read the descriptions of lives cut short, I ached. I ached especially for persons of color in our country who are disproportionately affected by gun violence, perhaps the most glaring symptom of unresolved racism in the United States. I ached for these people I had never met and for their mothers and their fathers and are siblings whose lives are forever changed. I thought about my own life and I also ached for people I never got a chance to know or will never get a chance to know, like my miscarried child or my great-great-grandfather or my great-great-grandchildren. I thought about the universality of death with ongoing war in Ukraine, rising tensions between the Koreas and a suffering Mother Earth, and then I hissed at that damn fat orange cat again, and it glared back at me. I thought there must be something more to existence than the universality of death, and then I realized there is the universality of life. All Saints' Day is much more than simply calling to mind ones who have died. It is also calling to mind ones who live again in the resurrection of the dead, whatever that is, whether a grave opened or a molecular reordering of the universe. But who are these saints of which we speak? Lutherans define saints differently than our Catholic brothers and sisters. Let me clearly note This is not to cast a disparaging spell on the Catholic Church. I'm clarifying how our faith traditions differently define the word saint. Are we clear on that? That's what I'm doing here. Did we all hear that? It's very important that you hear that. Roman Catholicism defines saints as persons in heaven, officially canonized or not, who lived heroically virtuous lives, offered their life for others, or were martyred for their faith ones who are worthy of imitation. General characteristics of saints are exemplary role model, extraordinary teacher, miracle worker, or source of benevolent power, intercessor, a life refusing material comforts, and finally, Possession of a special and revelatory relation to the holy. As I reflected on my porch, all the while still glaring at the orange cat, I realized I'm not any of these things. I'm not being self-deprecating. I am being brutally honest. I have led anything but a heroically virtuous life. I have not been murdered yet. I'm a good teacher. I'm not extraordinary. To my knowledge, I've never worked a single miracle, although I am hell-bent on that water into wine one. I do not think I am worthy of imitation. Sometimes the power emanating from me is anything but benevolent. I love my material comforts with a particular weakness for shoes. And not only do I not have a special relation to the Holy, sometimes I wonder if there even is a God. And if there is, I wonder why he or she would pay me any attention anyway. So it seems I cannot really check any of these boxes that would make me an ideal candidate for sainthood in the Catholic Church. However... I am Lutheran, and in the Lutheran Church there is only one box to check for sainthood, and even that is a little fuzzy, and that is baptism. According to Martin Luther, baptism makes you a member of the communion of saints, which is a mystical union of the living, the dead, and those yet unborn, bound together by baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit. From the Lutheran perspective, saints are not sinless. In fact, saints are painfully aware of their sin, ever mindful of their brokenness, failures, and shortcomings. Far from living heroically virtuous lives, saints can be criminals, addicts, prostitutes. Not always martyred, saints can die of overdose and suicide. Saints sometimes tell white lies, spin tall tales, and publish fake news. Saints sometimes are powerless, unable to even get out of bed, much less work a miracle. Saints sometimes have doubts and struggle with faith. Saints sometimes ask boldly irreverent questions. Saints swear and have body odor and bad breath. Saints have fallen arches, sleep apnea, and knock knees. Saints can be short-tempered and stubborn. Saints aren't always people you like. Sometimes they're even ones you hate, and sometimes they're the ones who hate you. There now. That's a more realistic description of sainthood. Never once did Jesus scan the room for the best example of holy living and send that person out to tell others about him. He always sent stumblers and sinners. I find that comforting, writes Nadia Boltz Weber in her book, Accidental Saints. If you haven't read it, you should. Rather than get offended by this expansive understanding of sainthood, let's instead marvel at its brilliance and what it says about God. In most Christian traditions, baptism often, but not always, happens in infancy. When Luther was asked why we baptize babies, he said, because it works. It's the only time he used very few words, right? Infant baptism is one of the most radical displays of God's grace, that this baby is claimed by God and made a saint, a member of God's kingdom, before we know what this baby will grow up to be, rich or poor, gay or straight, peasant or king, righteous or criminal. In baptism, we place a child completely in God's hands and mark it with the cross of Christ forever, forever forever without expiration, limitation, or condition before humans can get our hands on it and start placing our own conditions and limitations. However, life is messy and sometimes baptism does not happen in infancy in a church with a tiny white flowing gown. I baptized a woman in a recliner in her living room moments before she died with water from a Tupperware bowl and a kitchen towel. I baptized a man thrown from his car on Highway 61 with nothing for water but saliva from my three kisses on his forehead in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I baptized triplet toddlers, this was a terrible idea, triplet toddlers, all of whom were throwing tantrums and one of whom even vomited into the baptismal font. We cut that service short, by the way. (laughs) I baptized a stillborn child because the sobbing mother begged me to. Sometimes people die before or without baptism, and sometimes it doesn't happen like it's supposed to. I have a hard time believing God cares. Millions of people around the world die without Christian baptism. Are we then to determine who is a saint and who is not? Who inherits God's kingdom of heaven and who does not? No, that is not our work, that's God's work. As for our part, we are to encounter every single human being as a saint of God. Baptism isn't for God, it is for us. It's not like God looks at humans scanning our foreheads with scanners from supermarkets looking for crosses, sending the ones with crosses to heaven and the ones without to hell, like Dr. Seuss's Sneetches and the stars upon their bellies. While baptism is God's purest way of comforting the living, a gesture of holy love that defies human vocabulary, we still trust that outside baptism God's grace prevails. Today is not some saint's day. It's All Saints Day. We don't celebrate the lucky few who made the cut. We celebrate and stand in awe of this Holy Spirit, this breath of God that first hovered over the waters of creation when it was newly born, still dripping wet in its infancy, who cradles this ever-expanding universe and yet still deigns to love each one of us. This is the breath of God that hovers over you and your baptismal waters, making an eternal and unconditional promise to love you always, no matter what. Most of my days, professionally and personally, are spent in the company of young adults. By far, the thing they battle most is self-worth. If I were good enough, my boyfriend or girlfriend wouldn't have cheated on me. If I were good enough, I would have made the grade, gotten the internship, earned the scholarship. If I were good enough, my parents would approve of me. Young adults do not have the monopoly on self-doubt, however. We all mourn a lot in everyday life. Far beyond mourning the loss of friends and family, we mourn the unrealistic perception and expectation of our own identities. But this hold that God has on you, this claim that God makes on you, it's a brand new thing. It's a break from the old ways of self-doubt. It is hope when we get caught in a spiral of despair and grief. Conditional love of self and others are old ways that belong to the old world which itself is passing away. But on All Saints Day, God invites us into God's future and a new world where grace reigns, where visions in our head no longer torment and terrify us, as Daniel laments in our first reading today, where crying and pain and suffering are no more, for these things have passed away. Truth be told, at times we are all poor in spirit, we all grieve, and are at times meek, There are times when we try to make peace and fail, when we strive to be pure of heart and we stumble, when we stand up for the right and are mocked for it, but we nonetheless are saints of God. Our names are among billions and billions of beloved names, and we are filled with God's power to do the right, to stand up for those wronged, to speak the names of the dead, friends and strangers and enemies with love and honor. When my sons were each born, I was completely unprepared for the fierce love I had immediately for each of them, even while they were still slimy and all squinty and screaming, and knew at that moment I would die for them. And they had done nothing to earn it. In fact, over the years, they've done some things that might seem as though they're trying intentionally to unearn it, but they are unsuccessful. So when I doubt God's love for me or my unworthiness as a human being, which is often, I tell you, I think about that love for my sons, which actually intensifies with each mistake made. And I think if we are then created in God's image, how much greater is God's love for me than even mine for my own children? My love for my kids is an infinitesimal fraction of God's love for creation. If I can ache for people I love, but also for ones I don't even know and don't even like, How much more does God ache for an entire creation who knows and loves not some, but all? The Liberty High School football team lost the quarterfinals on Friday, finishing the season with a nine and two record. We sat in the rain for three hours, by the way, it was terrible. I think the All Saints image that sticks with me at season's end is that in football, this is a sports analogy I'm making. I hope that you understand and appreciate this. When a player is injured, the stadium seems to collectively hold its breath, right? Whether you know the boy or not, you know somewhere in the crowd there's a mom or a dad and that this kid is precious to someone, if not you. You wait to hear the number and the, in- and the name announced, and together we clap, everybody, when the boy limps off the field, whether you know him or not, whether you like him or not, you clap. It's what you do. Today we palm names aloft, some beloved, some unknown, some despised, maybe, but these names belong to someone and all belong to God. God will forever continue to hold the promises made to you in baptism, to love you and to never forsake you. This is neither deserved nor earned, does not depend on who you will grow up to be or who you have grown up to be it does not depend on when or where you are born or when and how you will die so then in life and death god holds you fast this is incomprehensible astonishing and altogether beautiful amen